0: Would you like to live a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Vetter as he introduces you to cultures of health and healing. Get ready now to try out some healing beliefs and practices from far and wide. Here's the host of your show, Robert Vetter. Welcome, listening family. I am so lucky today to be here with Dr. Ashok Kumar Malhotra. Dr. Ashok Kumar Malhotra is Emeritus Distinguished Teaching Professor of Philosophy at the University of New York College at Oneonta. He is the winner of a dozen prestigious awards, such as Chancellor's Award for Excellence in Teaching, East-West Center Distinguished Alumni Award, University of Hawaii Distinguished Alumni Award, Gullin's NRI Excellence Award from the UK, Jewel of India Gold Award from India, Spiritual Leadership Award from the USA, Bharat Excellence Award from India, and others. He's published 14 books on Indian, Chinese, Western, and comparative philosophy, along with two volumes of children's stories. He was a consultant for the Warner Brothers Kung Fu, The Legend Continues TV series. Dr. Malhotra is one of the founding members of the State University of New York Oneonta Philosophy Department. He received the Templeton Foundation grant through the MetaNexus Institute of Philadelphia to establish the Yoga and Meditation Society at SUNY Oneonta. Through the Yoga Center, he invited more than 20 scholars and practitioners from diverse traditions and backgrounds from various parts of the world. His video interviews of these 20 scholars are available on the YouTube under Ashok K. Malhotra Yoga Institute interviews. His Yoga Life monthly columns appear in the Daily Star, a local newspaper. To recognize individuals who have performed outstanding community service locally, nationally, or globally, he established four Ashok Kumar Melhotra Seva Compassionate Service Awards for the faculty and students at SUNY Oneonta, as well as the East-West Center and University of Hawaii. He appeared on TEDx Oneonta in 2017 and is the winner of AARP Purpose Prize Fellowship. Furthermore, he is the founder president of the Ninash Foundation, a charity that has built six schools for more than 1,500 female and minority children of India. In 2016, the Ninash Foundation adopted a seventh school with 280 tribal children from Sagbara in Gujarat bordering Maharashtra. To recognize his charitable work for the underprivileged and underserved female and minority children of India, he was nominated several times since 2010 for the Nobel Peace Prize. I also want everybody to know that Dr. Malhotra was my college professor of philosophy. And I would have to say that perhaps the most influential person in my life. So what an honor to have you here with us today, Dr. Malhotra.
1: Thank you for that huge introduction. I am burdened by it. I I can escape to come out to say a few words.
0: Well, good. We have three interviews to try to cover an entire lifetime of unbelievable work that you've done. Today, as you know, in this first session, we're going to take a look at some of the important moments in your life that brought you to where you are today um, with an eye toward looking at healing, the way that healing has played a part in this whole process for you. So I'm going to turn it over to you in whatever direction you'd like to take this.
1: Okay, Bob. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'll warm up as we talk, okay? I initially, uh, I have not taught students or worked with students for five years, so I have to really warm up, okay? So bear with me, and I hope your audience will bear with me. Now you through some beautiful concepts, health and healing. I'm going to first talk about it, the way I was brought up with the health and healing. Later on, I'm going to challenge these concepts in my last interview. So please bear with me, don't run away. Okay, I need you. Okay. So simply, I was brought up in a family of 11 siblings, then father and mother, grandfather and grandmother. There were a total of 15 of us living in two rooms. And, and it was fascinating. Since you are talking about health and healing, I'll just give it a slight twist from my Perspective. I didn't know what the health and what the healing was because I was not brought up with English terminology. I only knew Punjabi for six years. Then I started learning Urdu, the language which is spoken in Pakistan. It comes from Arabic. Then I started learning English when I was sixth grade, then Sanskrit. Then I learned Hindi. Then I learned Sanskrit. By the time I was eight years old, I, I should say eighth grade. When I was in eighth grade, I have five different languages. But the way we were brought up in two room house, that they have to, during winter months, stack up carts. Carts mean in Hindi we call it charpai. And there are four packs to it, and it's woven with jute. And a person has to sleep there. So I remember very distinctly my first introduction to health and healing. Very early in the morning, and when I say early, 4 o'clock, my grandmother, who lived with us, and she was a wonderful housemaker. She was one of the best cooks we had. And she will make everything in the house. Nothing from outside unless it was necessary. So she will put all the milk at night, put some yogurt in it, and by 4 o'clock in the morning, it will become yogurt. And she'll put it in this earthen pot, a bigger earthen pot. And... She has something to churn it with. She will put her two thighs around this ardent part and she will start churning. And that's where health and healing starts. And as she will be churning this, she will start singing some religious songs of all the devotees of God Krishna. Krishna is considered to be one of the deities, one of the avatars who had come down and so many songs have been written and these are called devotional songs and she will sing these devotional songs and from four o'clock in the morning to six, she'll be singing all these songs and lying in bed we could hear this beautiful song. And they had such a beautiful, positive kind of effect. And I didn't know whether they were healing me or they were teaching me Hinduism and its devotional aspect that sank into my mind. I didn't want them to come to an end. At six o'clock, she would have churned this uh, uh, yogurt and she will make uh, buttermilk. We used to call it Lutzi. And then on the other hand, she would create all the butter which we needed you know, for the whole day. At that point, my grandfather will wake up. I'm sorry, the telephone is ringing. Okay. I'm just... Uh, so... My grandfather will wake up, and he will come there. And he will say, is it ready? My grandmother will say, of course it's ready. Uh, So taste it. So he will taste it. And he will say, butter is good. Butter milk is very, very good. Go ahead. Then they will wake up, my mother and my mother and 11 children my mother will wake up and her first task was to start the tea boiling and then she will start reading the Bhagavad Gita. And Bhagavad Gita is one of the 18 chapters of the great epic of India Ramayana, And everybody in India who's a Hindu reads that because they say, if you want to be healed in this life and want to have good health, then you must read the whole Mahabharata and Bhagavad Gita is one of the 18 chapters. And whatever is important in your life, health, healing, and being in touch with the ultimate being, you have to read this book. Whatever is important for your life is there. And if it's not there in this book, it's not important. And that's a very beautiful concept I learned. When people believe in a scripture, they believe that way. They have that kind of fascinating thing. So anyway, so they will ask, my grandfather and grandmother will ask my mother, to start reading the Bhagavad Gita. And there were 18 chapters, very short chapters. The book is like 86 pages long. And so my mother had to read one chapter of the Bhagavad Gita each day. So she will read that and it went through quickly. And what stayed with me from that book was that chapter number three from the Bhagavad Gita. Which deals with the concept of what we call in Sanskrit nishkam karma. And nishkam karma means an action performed from the generosity of your heart without expecting anything in return. And if you can do that, if you can spend your whole day performing deeds like that, then you have good health, you are totally healed. And that concept came to me much later, at that point, nishkam Karma. So this is the way we started our day. And then in the evening time, our grandfather, who was full of stories, he used to be a station master, And that meant he worked for the British Railway. And he had traveled all over what is now called Pakistan, West Pakistan. He was appointed at a railway station to guard and see that the trains ran there on time, and all the goods were distributed to rest of the country of India. So he had traveled in his lifetime, most of what is called Pakistan, and parts of Afghanistan, parts of Iran. And during his 30 some years of travel, he had met people from all over these countries. So he was fluent in six languages, Hindi, Urdu, Punjabi, English, Pashto, that's Afghanistan and Persian, Farsi from Persia. And he was a bundle of these stories. He had close to 250 stories from all over the world. And the best part of that was every evening when he came home and he he was a short man, 5'2", but he had a big turban, which was six inches tall. He will come home and he will put his turban on a peg so that it will sit there, visible. And he will ask for his hookah pipe. And older brothers of mine, I was like eight from the top. And these brothers will prepare his hookah pipe. And, he will. and the hookah pipe is an interesting piece because it says, that earthen part, which is called chillum, and that earthen part will have tobacco, it will have charcoals, and as you puff in, you breath it in, all that smoke-filled stuff will go all the way to the bottom, and the bottom, the base, was filled with water. And there, it will be cleansed, and then it will come through your mouth And then we used to call it sutta. It's like soot, soot going into your mouth. And the moment that sutta took place, he will start feeling so good. And he will say, what kind of stories you want to hear? I have 250 of them from all over India. He didn't say they were all over the world. And that's where I got the concept of all, all these stories were prepared in India. So I never made a distinction between Persia, Saudi Arabia, Greece, or China. These were stories presented to us as if they're from India. So that gave me a world perspective without knowing it. And he had a style of telling stories. And his style was very simple. And the simple style was that he will say, how long the story be? And we'll say, one mile long, five miles long, 10 miles long. And when you asked him, what does that mean? He said, start walking with me, my grandson. You're my white man. And I'll tell you a story which will go for one mile. And a longer story will go for five miles. And the longest one will go for 10 miles. And I heard those 250 stories from him while I was being brought up. So I started with grandmother listening to all these bhakti, devotional songs, mother reading the Bhagavad Gita, grandfather telling us the stories, And these stories left such an impact. So you'll ask me the question, where does the healing come in here? I think there are two aspects to it. One is learning about compassion and action. Second, reading and listening to stories. And if the audience would like to know, and you want to know, what was so significant during that time? My simpler answer is that the stories we hear as children they stay with you the rest of your life. They influence you. And I'll tell you one story quickly, which is a part of my grandpa chobra's stories for nourishment, volume one, is the first story. And it's called Bulbul and Jugnu. And Bulbul means nightingale. Jugnu means firefly. And that story I know it, Urdu, the whole point. I'm not excited, but uh, let's tell you a simple story, that this nightingale had two babies. She had created a beautiful nest. One day, she went out to pick up some food, and this particular day, when she went out, she found out that all the food in this field was gone because the farmer has planted crops there. So she couldn't... So she kept on going from field to field, couldn't find any food. So the poem starts, this nightingale is sitting on the branch of a tree, lamenting, feeling so sad. And she's saying to herself, I should have gone home before the sunset. My babies are hungry. They may fall off uh, from their nest or something, could eat them. I'm so foolish. I have no help. The more she talked about it, it got darker, darker, darker. It was pitch dark, and she had no way to go back. Just at that point when she felt totally hopeless, a firefly was listening to this story, came along and said to a nightingale that I heard your story. You have no hope, but I'm going to be your hope. I'll light your way to your nest. And the nightingale flew with the firefly and came back and was reconciled with her babies. And those two babies never forgot the kindness of this firefly. So what is the moral of that story? Even small, tiny hands can show you the path. Don't you ever think you cannot make a difference in the world. You will be. That's what, and that story stayed with me. It changed my whole life. And later on, we'll talk about it, how it changed my life. So you might have a question, because otherwise I can keep going about my family. Okay. Okay. I can hear you.
0: What we'll be doing in our next session is to uh, uncover some of the, the uh, academic people perhaps who have influenced your life. I think that this has given us a solid foundation in growing up in a culture very different than ours and starting your life in a very different way than I think most people um, understand their lives here in the United States. And that foundation is gonna be extremely important in what we cover in our next session will be to look at healing in the way that you learned it in the the more academic world, and then how you brought these teachings into the world in a tremendous way in our third session. So I want to thank you, Dr. Malhotra, for this first session together.
1: Okay, so you want me to say something more about this first session? I have more to say about it, and I bring you up. uh, what, we'll do,
0: I, yeah. what we'll do is we'll start our next session exactly at that point. We'll pick up in a couple of moments uh, with our next session. So thank you for part okay. one. And we look forward to part two. Uh, listeners, I hope you'll join us on this incredible odyssey. This has been Cultures of Health and Healing with Robert Fetter. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe and rate this show and share it with others. Until next time, remember, your health and healing matter and you can find your own unique path to optimum wellness.